Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. What's up, Hello. man? Call me, call me a champion. Is this the is this the first day, the first time we've recorded on a Wednesday? It might be. Uh, who knows? I mean, I mean, outside of the convention, maybe. I was going to say, I think the first day of the convention last year, we when we fought in Kansas City. Yeah, maybe. But well, this year, actually, too. no, no, we didn't. We didn't record on that Wednesday night. No, we didn't. no, and we didn't this Wednesday either. Yeah, no. we just set up. Yeah. So uh well, no, we yeah, we are recording on a Wednesday, uh, mostly because I'm going out of town on Friday. Um, and we have a very, very special guest uh that's coming to us from the future. Um, so more on that in a minute. But um what's been going on, man? What yeah, we champion, call it champion. yeah. What what happened? And took down, uh, you know, I'm at Delaware Football Academy. I took down all those guys, man. All those coaches, you know, they tried to gang up and beat me. I, I will say, I, I saw the picture that you posted. Um, you recognize any of those faces? I didn't. And you. I'm the old head of the group. I was going to say, please don't take this the wrong way. But like. I was the oldest. I was the oldest, oldest person on the team. <laughs> you look like you, like you, you could have been somebody's dad on that picture, man. Like. Like you, you drove the bus. You drove the bus and brought actually, everybody. Actually, I was not the oldest. I was not old enough to be anyone's dad. Okay, I so everybody just looks really young, older. and you look a little bit older. I was twelve. No, yeah, no, I'm twelve years older than the youngest player on that team. Okay, all right. Who was our goalkeeper? He, he was good, man. Yeah, I mean, I will say I was going to tell you that the goalkeeper looked like the youngest kid out there because he he looked like he was probably just a youth player. Hey, somebody's <laughs> little brother came in clutch. There you go. Someone's little brother. Um, yeah, better him than me. Do you find now, considering your your team is full of younger players, um, do you think uh, you've reached that level of maturity as a soccer player where you're like, um, and you look at younger players and you're like, I, why am I? Why are they doing all this stuff? Like, why are they running around? Oh no, I love them around. Huh? I love them running around. That's what I'm saying. Like, why? You know, like, the moment to transition. I'm like, well, ball's gonna come back here anyway. Whether it's a goal, and we're just coming back to midfield, or yeah. you know, they lose the ball. I'll just be waiting here for it. I'm not. Yeah. Do you feel like? Do you feel like you reach that point where you're almost like? I'm not saying you're the smartest player on the field, but you. It does feel. It's. A, I mean, you might be, but. Like it does feel like that moment of like clarity where you're like, oh my God, I can see into the future. Like I know where it's going to happen two or three. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that just comes with playing adult league in general. Like, even like I've played adult league since I was like 18. Um, but just understanding like guys, older, older guys, guys that are older than me aren't going to move like they used to. Yeah. But they, you know, don't no matter if they played in the age where there was a six foot long shin guard, they got some tricks up their sleeves, and yeah. you really got to watch out for the lit, the flicks, and I mean the long throw-ins. I mean, some guys can throw the ball across the field, like just those the, those little details. Like you got to really pay attention to. Everybody wants to play quick, like those little details. You really got to um, pay attention to. And I think you feel I mean, like you get, you've reached that level of wisdom where you got some little tricks. You got, you got your own little things that you, that you do. Oh, I mean, I'm, I've always had some tricks. <laughs> on <my> sleeves, man. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I think, I mean, dude, I mean, I'd say this, I draw, I've probably drawn more fouls and playing adult league than I ever did as a player, youth soccer, college soccer, like just being smart. Like, I mean, there's one clear as day on the film where I knew I couldn't jump. The guy was taller than me. I wasn't going to win the header. So I pretended like he fouled me and I guess who got the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in terms of smarter, I mean, I did play with, you know, a kid who's going to be playing at UD and um, he definitely was tactically, technically very smart and a little bit, his ideology was a little bit fresher into the game because, you know, he's been playing at a high level more recently than me. But um, we definitely connected very well because um, he was like, like made the comment one day. He was like, oh, yeah, bounce it back to me. I was like, oh, are you trying to play play? He was like, yeah, let's play. And like we were just bouncing the ball off each other. And it was like, like I got what he was trying to do. And he's got the young legs and the young methodology to go do the things. And I'm just like, hey, I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's why I, I, I think that's why I fit in playing as a six where I never really played because everybody else wants to take off. And it's like, I'll hold down the middle. Like, I know what to, you know, Isn't you know it's so interesting on. how you're, it's almost like your position changes as you get older. Um, like, yeah. as I get older, obviously, I think just from a pure physicality perspective of just not wanting to run around much, I'll find myself in the goal. But I do think that as even as a goalkeeper, I find myself being able to, not have to make the diving saves I would have made when I was younger by just standing differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that once I end up on the field, um, even as a field player, I did always want, I always thought I wanted to play as a 10, um, but I don't think I was any good at it. And then, but I'm not saying I'm much better at it now, but I do think I've, I've gotten better as a player. As I've, the older I get, I think I've become better as a player. Which is a weird thing to say in my mid thirties. I feel like I have, I'm still, I haven't reached the peak of my soccer level. Uh, I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still growing as a player, which is a weird comment to make. I mean, this is the first time I played outdoor in a league since 2018. I mean, I'm fortunate to say that I went two for two in this adult league. You know, last time I played it, I was a one. Um, but I mean, I will say like. I mean, those first couple of games, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, it's, you know, you'd think you could just pick up a ball if you're not, like, really playing, playing. And I will say that it took every week and probably need a couple more weeks to continue to just get back into the groove of things. Game when you think about it, in the youth game, right, you take the summer off, that's maybe two months, right? And that's taking an entire summer off, not going to any camps or anything. And you talk about taking, like, five years off of, like, just not touching a ball meaningful like i mean sure knock it around at practice stuff like that but not like meaningful trying to play yeah. another opponent. no i mean there's there's definitely a reason why people talk about there's a difference between being physically fit and be, being game fit right like oh yeah there's something to be said about game rhythm right being oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah still still chasing that game rhythm there you go uh was, well it's well, like a fish man you're just getting closer <laughs> Well, luckily, the person that we're about to interview uh, isn't She's pure, a gamer. <laughs> pure gamer, though. Uh, so we'll 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 dive into that now. Uh, Dwayne, we we have a a returning guest to the podcast, but the first time that we are traveling like through time to a certain extent, and we've interviewed people from different time zones, but I don't think we've interviewed anybody that's already 
already Wednesday, August 2nd. It's already Wednesday, August 2nd. Yeah, it's already Wednesday. Today (laughs) is Tuesday, you know, August 1st. Yeah, it's, I mean, what's it like in the future? Hi, Sarah. Hey there. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Can you give us any tips for like 8 a.m., you know, tomorrow? Anything, any advice? (laughs) Well, it's sunny here, but I'm not sure if the weather will be the same for you. So, yeah, cool. yeah. it'll be sunny tomorrow. That's good. That's good. Uh, all right. So, Sarah, you're in Australia right now. Sure, I am in Brisbane, Australia. Brisbane, yeah. Australia, right, right in the middle of the World Cup. Yeah, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. All right. So let's um, let's first talk about you. We'll we'll for, we'll yeah. put the we'll put the World Cup we'll put the World Cup in in the back burner for lap for now. Let's talk about you, uh, Peninsula Power. You have scored, uh, fifteen goals in twenty one games. Yeah, I think that's about right. <laughs> yeah, that and not only that, you've also played, uh, eight one thousand eight hundred and seventy minutes. Mm. Yep. Huh? I've played almost 90 minutes every game. Yeah. Say, is that 90 yeah. times 21? Almost. You've only come off in three games from what it from what at least from what I'm I'm on a some sort of website that told me your stats. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably pretty reliable. But yeah, since I I mean my first game here was against the number one team in the league and I just got thrown in for 90 minutes, which was pretty insane. But yeah, it's been a good season so far. Yeah, so tell us about that that transition. How is the season going? How are you adjusting to the fact that you're playing in a different country? Which you've already done that, but but you're yeah. playing on like the other side of the world, pretty much. Yeah, pretty crazy. It obviously took me a couple of days to adjust to the time zone itself, um, but adjusting to the league, I didn't find too challenging. I'd say it's um, pretty similar. Uh, to Division One, um, at least mid-major Division One, um, so that wasn't too bad of an adjustment. And the style of play uh, also suits me pretty well. I feel like playing through the thirds, and um, it's been really good. Girls are great. Love the coach. Um, yeah. And then, are you, uh, are you the only American on your team? There's two of us. Um, the other one is from Texas, and she's our goalkeeper. She's been here for I think two years now, um, so it's sort of nice to have someone to bounce ideas off of and just learn a little bit more about what I was getting into before even getting over here, uh, which was nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's good. Not that you guys are from like the same side of the country, so you have like nothing, <laughs> nothing in common at all. <laughs> yeah, Texas and Maine are are pretty pretty different. <laughs> yeah, pretty different. But yeah, um, it's been good. Um, well, I mean, I guess you're prepared for the weather. Unlike her. Well, the weather here is warm. Like, it's really warm here. Um, I came, like, obviously the seasons are completely switched. So when I got here, it was summer, um, where I was coming from winter. And now it's winter here. Um, but it's still 70 degrees and, like, sunny every day. It is oh, amazing cool. weather. Yeah. yeah. Um, I Let's talk about your your season so far i think the, one of the more impressive parts of it is the fact that you scored 15 goals playing not necessarily as a forward at least from the games that i've watched you're playing as a 10 right yeah playing attacking center mid um which i love that position also you know you have the flexibility to sort of be a false nine in a sense um 
so yeah, to be able to score like I am out of that position is great. Um, also, you know, creating plays, I think I've assisted, like, I think I'm leading in assists at like seven, which is just a great stat to have. Um, it enables me to, you know, put that in highlight reels and sort of, uh, get to the next level. So it's been really good. And, um, yeah. Um, not only that, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of your goals so far and, uh, you've scored pretty much from every part of the field you can think of. You scored some long range goals some free kick goals in the box. Um, so what is, what is one of the bigger differences between what your experience was? I know you said it was similar, but what's, is there any differences between what, what you experienced in college playing at UD and now you're, you're playing in Australia? Um, that's a good question. Um, maybe a bit, like you said, some of my goals have been long range, which couldn't really get away with in college. I don't know if it's goalkeepers, you know, holding a different line here or what, but that's one of the main differences um, I've noticed and even talked about with some other coaches. It's just like, those are goals I was not scoring at Delaware um, so much. And then the physicality piece, we actually played, uh, I think it was a division two team that came over here recently and they wanted a friendly. So we played them um, from the States and it was on, honestly just sort of like a shocker again, um, how much more physical it is in the States than here. Um, I mean, it's still physical, but those girls were just sort of coming after us. It felt like yeah. more so, which was interesting, but yeah. I mean, I feel like it, it almost, and we can start transitioning a little bit into the world cup, but I feel like that's a little bit of, of kind of the, that United States kind of style of play to a certain extent. It's, you know, yeah. more physicality, more run, be fast and all these other things. And a little bit less on the, like, slow the game down a little bit, you know, set the tempo and, and, and move the ball around a little bit more. Um, yeah. Are you, so can you talk uh, or walk us through a little bit of what the structure is in Australia for women's soccer and, and what are the different tiers and levels and, and, and all that? Yeah. Um, I'm still learning obviously, but uh, the top league is the A league here. Um, also formerly known as the W league. And I think that is like composed of maybe 12 teams. Um, and they're adding new teams similar to the NWSL, which is great. Um, and then I'm in the NPL, which is just below that. So it's like tier two. Um, and you still get paid in this level. And then there's FQPL um, one, two, and three. And I believe you still get paid in those as well, but um, significantly lower in some um, states. But those are sort of the the three to four different tiers you would see mm -hmm. um, over here. Yeah. Okay. And is is the goal? Obviously, you're having a really successful season. Is the goal to to potentially um, try to get to that that A league at some point? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely like the ultimate goal. Um, it obviously poses some challenges being uh, international because there's limited visa spots. Right. So you're competing with the best of the best for those, but that is the ultimate goal. And a lot of it's connections and who you know, right? So um, I've been trying to put myself out there a bit and I did just some of my own outreach to these teams, sending, you know, tracker information and highlight videos to just at least put my name on their radar. Um, but if that doesn't come to fruition um, after this season, I'd, I'm looking at playing um, in Melbourne, in an NPL team there um, 
just to expand my soccer resume and yeah cool so is there like a like is there like a um a top team in your area like is it kind of like i'm just thinking like you think of mls yeah. right you have mls and you have the usl and there's like teams in that very area so they work closely together is there any teams in your area that work closely with your team yeah some um a, you're saying a league teams like working mm-hmm. closely with npl teams um there's not a whole lot of that with Peninsula Power. I think partly because they just got um, promoted into the NPL. They were in FQPL um, last season. But you'd see that more so um, with someone like Lions, who's in our league, and maybe Brisbane Moore. I think they probably have some stronger ties. And then teams in Melbourne, um, for example, Boleyn Lions and Melbourne Victory. There's definitely some strong ties there as well. So. Again, it's sort of par for the course of coming over here and not knowing too much. But after learning more, I've realized, okay, this was a great stepping stone. But I'd like to be on one of these teams, knowing that they have these ties um, to get me to the the next level. But I mean, it's yep. still it's still pretty cool. You're you basically you jumped on a team that that was recently promoted, and you guys are in the you guys are towards the top of the league right now. Yeah, it's huge. That is not what um, people, when they like were first ranking at the beginning of the season, I think we were like um, projected to like finish like sixth or seventh, maybe. Um, and we're sitting comfortably at third right now. And we secured finals with our last win um, last weekend. So that's massive for us. And we have great momentum um, heading into the end of the season. And you guys so recently that's scoring, that's what happens when you're scoring goals. Well, no, that yeah. I think you guys, you guys, you recently, you recently beat that Lions team and you scored a goal in that game, right? Yeah, that was, that was a great game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they probably gave us their best effort. Um, but yeah, that was a huge win for us and boosted our confidence, uh, majorly, which was great. The, I think the biggest upside for, at least from my perspective, is the fact that all these games are on YouTube. So yeah. no, even though some of the games happen in the middle of the night, I can go <laughs> the next day and like kind of watch it or just fast forward through things and and totally. uh, and see some of the goals. But yeah, so like that women's there. national team game this morning. Huh? Like some, uh, well, what, what time did that play over? That was yesterday <laughs> for her. Yesterday for her. <laughs> yeah, five p.m. U.S. Women's National Team played at oh, five man. yesterday. Yeah, so we right. watched it yesterday. So how how are you living the the World Cup experience there? I know there's been some games that have happened close to where you yeah. are. So um, how is that? How has it been? Of is this your first World Cup experience in general in your in your life? Um, well, no, because I was in Argentina when right, yeah. the men were playing. Yeah, so that was pretty epic. Um, just to be in the streets during the championship. Uh, you were there. You that, got there before. You got there before I did. So you were there. Yeah, she went in, hold on. She went into the streets. You didn't go in the streets. I was. I wasn't in the country. I was stuck <laughs> flying around between Canada and Brazil. Hey, you still could have went out into the streets. <laughs> Probably still partying. <laughs> yeah, right. You're still celebrating. Um, but all right. So is this your? But is this your first like hosting country World Cup experience? Yes. Yes. And how has that been? It's been really cool, honestly. Um, There's signs and billboards everywhere. Um, 
promoting it and it's been really I've been to two games so far and I'm going to four total as of now and it's just amazing to see all the support around women's soccer that um you haven't necessarily seen in the past so it's been really cool to be a part of that um yeah what games did you go to I went to France Brazil and oh then, my goodness yeah that was, that was a cool. great game yeah that was a good game really cool and great seats too. I mean, um, I was expecting like prices of seats to be ridiculous, but you can get some decent seats for a reasonable price. And then the other game I went to was Ireland, Nigeria, which there yeah. was a bit on the line there. Um, so it was cool to see that too. And Nigeria is through, which is amazing. So yeah. Um, what did you what is the atmosphere like in a World Cup uh, stadium? Uh, it's pretty electric, I'd say. Um, they've done a really good job with it. Um, and they celebrate um, Aboriginal people. Here's like a huge thing. And one of the things they've been doing before every game is having a couple Aboriginal um, folks come out and talk a little bit about their history and culture. Um, and I just think that's so, so cool for other people to see and learn about. Um, so they start with that. And then from there, it's just an, an amazing atmosphere. Um, and to think it's, yeah, it's happening right here is so cool. And one of the reasons I came over here, honestly, because I had a couple different offers in Iceland and Portugal and here, and the fact that the World Cup was taking place, I was like, it's a no brainer. It would just yeah. be so cool to be here during it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, not only that, I mean, you went to the Brazil-France game. Wendy Renard scores in the last, like, three minutes of the game. and Yeah. That was a yes. fantastic great, game. Great game. Great header, yeah. Just so you, good. And it's interesting to see the different um, – like, there was so many Brazil fans at that game, um, less so than the French. And then – at this previous game, Ireland, Nigeria, probably more equal in terms of uh, fans, but just so much pride in, um, in their country. Yeah. Um, Have you been keeping up with the U S women's national team? I have been. Yep. (laughs) What are some thoughts on there? A little frustrating. I'm not going to lie. I've actually been listening to some podcasts about it too, because it's just not what people were anticipating. I don't know what's going on, what they're doing at training, if they're doing too much or not enough, but uh, things are not really falling into place for them at the moment. And it's a little concerning. The game last night, there was a lot on the line for them. So, yeah. Yeah, they almost got knocked out. Yeah. Troubling a little bit. Um, well, you must have been asleep for that part, Sebastian. What? You must have been asleep for that part. I watched the highlights. I, I will. I did not wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I am getting up tonight. Uh, so basically, Sarah, after we're done talking, I'm going to sleep because I'm going to be up at 3 a.m. to watch the Argentina game. Um, it was I, a good I, afternoon for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now I'm having some lunch. Considering <laughs> considering you've you've now played in multiple countries, which is kind of a cool statement to say, right? Multiple continents. Yeah. Multiple continents. Yeah, you've got it's that's a pretty cool um you're halfway you're halfway there. 
Yeah. I mean, you don't have that many left at this you point. You, you already have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, yeah. So you probably knocked out one of the harder ones too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so considering, do you see the differences between the styles of play potentially in the different parts of the world in what, what makes the U S for example, um, what's our strength and then what are some areas of growth? To not weaknesses necessarily. Um, hmm. probably gonna go off of some other people's input too that I've received. Um, one of it being one of our strengths for sure is fitness. Um, wherever I've gone, it's never been a question of like my fitness. They're always they always say like, oh, you know, typically players, American players, are fit. So. I'd say that's probably a strength of ours. Um, on the flip side of that, I've heard that we're probably not the most technical country when it comes to soccer. Um, Spain was fairly technical. And then, I mean, I was paid a pretty nice compliment by a coach in Tasmania uh, when I went down there who just said, you know, you're one of the most technical American players I've worked with. So I think um, whether that's a stereotype or not, I think there's room for improvement there. Um, but yeah, those are just two, probably more if I think about it. A bit. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and how, now that you're, you're do, and you're doing some little, you're a little bit of doing a little coaching in Australia now. Um, yeah. Is the, and you got to experience a youth system, not only, not only as a player growing up, but also as a coach within, within the United States in Maine and in, and in Delaware. Um, what is the youth system like in Australia, considering it is, to a certain extent, like the United States, such a massive country? Yeah, um, I'd say fairly similar. So I'm actually coaching um, an under 13 girls team for my club, Peninsula Power. Nice. And yeah, that's awesome. been really cool. Yeah, it's been super cool. Um, so I work with them three days a week. And Again, I'd say similar setup to the States where you have, you know, under 13 with this club and then under 15, under 17, um, and then under 23. So I think there's still room to get more girls involved and maybe um, fill in the gaps there. But um, yeah, similar setup and it's an academy and people are paying to have their kids there and uh yeah, it's been good. Really fun to work with them. And, you know, then they come to our games and it just creates this family culture within the club. Um, the girls look up to you. It's pretty special. Yeah. yeah. And then you must be the cool coach because you have the American accent. Just like we look at the <laughs> other we look at all the other coaches that come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I got sort of bullied for about a couple of things like saying pennies and not bibs that was a huge one i got yelled at so i was like all right i had to learn that on the spot <laughs> well on the flip side when you come here right it's like hey if you come here you're gonna get it the other way right so. totally totally yeah are there are there any like massive like language differences even though they it's well it's like are there any like soccer term differences or football term differences uh not that come right to mind no not like it was in Spain, obviously, where the well, whole right. language is different. I had to learn that pretty quickly. But no, nah, there's just a couple little like nuances um, in their speech that, yeah, I've started using just from being here. But yeah. 
Well, listen, we interviewed uh, a few weeks ago, we interviewed one of my former players from that I coached when I was coaching in Florida. Um, and she's currently lives in Iceland. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, and she's played, she, she's been there since she's been there for six or seven years, something like that, or, or maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. and she's picked up an Icelandic accent in general. Uh, yeah, so, I believe it. So, you know, and totally. you know, if you stay there long enough, we, you know, you might, you might, you might yeah. have a little bit of the Australian accent going on. I know I've had friends say like, you have an accent yet? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right. We'll FaceTime you next week. Let me know when you have an accent. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> You're not cool enough for us right now. <laughs> I mean, but that's the interesting thing to a certain extent about Maine too, though. Right. Like Maine, even though it's part of new England, like the, a lot of Maine doesn't necessarily have the traditional like Boston. Yeah. Accent, yeah. Right. So, um, so true. So you didn't really start off with that part either. So, yeah, they say You're I have a um, kind of girl. <laughs> they say I have a pretty soft American accent compared to like our goalkeeper. I don't even know what that means, but um, uh, she, yeah, apparently I have a soft Texas. accent. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably Texas through and through. <laughs> um, I mean, they were probably surprised when she got off the plane. She didn't have on like cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, and they're like, "Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, right." <laughs> um. So what is what is the normal pathway for players in Australia um as they as they get older, right? So you're coaching a U13 girls team now. Um you mentioned Peninsula Peninsula Power has a U23 team. Is that the natural progression or is there a collegiate system like the US or or how does that work? Yeah, good question. Um I found that to be very different than the US. And that once you finish um, what we call high school, you go to you can go to college, but they don't have the same um, setup where you're going and playing, you know, a Division three, Division two, Division one sport. Um, it's much more typical to just play for a club. Um, so that's what I'm seeing with a lot of the under twenty three girls. Those girls are finishing up high school or just graduated, and they want to keep playing. So they play under 23s um, with the hopes of getting pulled up to the senior team. Um, and then you go from there. But yeah, in terms of the collegiate piece, that's not really a thing. And I think the level, if you were to go play at the colleges is significantly um, lower than just going to a club in the FQPLs or NPL. Um, yeah. yeah. So good question. So do you find that there are like, are you getting questions even from any of those players? I might see you or your teammate from Texas of like, Hey, how do I, how do I get to go play college soccer in the States? Yeah. I've had a few people inquire about it um, with me and it's been cool to, you know, shed light on it and uh, share my experience. Um, So yeah, there's a few girls that one actually is headed over now for preseason. I think in Colorado for a division three team, um, and then another one who's looking at going over next year, potentially, um, and sort of just trying to figure out where and what division. Um, so, yeah, it's been cool sharing my experience with that. Nice. I know an Australian coach in Colorado. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. We have an, we have, yeah, we know an Australian coach in Colorado. Um, cool. uh, what? No, I was going to say, do they know it's not all like, it's not like LA, New York. Cause I mean, I went to 
school with kids that were from um scandinavia and they thought everything was like new york and la it was like the movies and it was like nah, especially, like, where, yeah. especially where you went to school where i went to school is like nah brother uh <laughs> <laughs> um, is that some of the questions like you might get like yeah that's some of the questions i would get um just like location wise and then obviously like the different time commitments between division one and division three um, and what's expected. And then also like the access to resources, um, which you'll see changes from the different divisions. So they've been asking some good questions. Um, Hopefully I'm giving some good answers, but yeah. Um, What is, what has been the time commitment in general for you? Is it, you know, training basically every day, two hours a day, uh, yeah. It, it, so is it very much to be, does it feel like you're in season in college to a certain extent or no? Or does it feel like more? No, no, it feels like less, um, okay. which is very interesting and something I've had to sort of adapt to. Um, I'm very much someone that wants to be full on with soccer um, in terms of wanting to train every day, access to a gym, um, gym sessions as a team, that sort of thing. Um, at this level, because you're not on a full salary, there's sort of a line that they have to draw in terms of time commitment. So, you know, just my schedule, um, as an example, we train Monday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, seven to nine, and that's it. Um, in terms of getting to the gym, that's on your own. We do have access to physios, but not the same, um, as I would say in college. So, in terms of time commitment, it's much less uh, than what I'm used to at school um, at Delaware, whether it was in season or out of season for that matter. Um, so that's been something I've had to adjust to. And I'm hoping to be a part of a program um, or a club next season down in Melbourne um, that is more full on. Um, I think that will just suit me as a player better. Um, so, yeah. Do you feel like, do you find yourself, are you going out on those off days and just kind of training on your own? No yeah, one knew I would have the yes. Yeah, that and, um, you know, I try to make the most of my one-on-one sessions with the kids in the community that I'm coaching. So, you know, putting on my boots and working, doing drills with them. Um, I also have been training on off days with a teammate, um, just trying to get extra touches and uh make the best use of my time and get to the gym as well in there so yeah did you find that is the what about the the match load in comparison considering you're playing you're playing full 90s i'm assuming it's not like college sub rules where you know there's it's basically what three to five subs pretty much every game um and you know from what i saw you have matches every four or five days um yeah so how are you adjusting to that change of of not necessarily playing you know every 72 hours to a certain extent like yeah in college yeah um it's sort of nice having a game once a week it does allow you to um rehab and uh rest a bit more uh but i mean i i love playing games i think the girls here love it too but definitely different having you know a game per week whereas in college yeah as you said like you're having a game on a thursday and then a sunday when you're in season 
Um, and that's a lot on the body. So here I'd say I haven't had, knock on wood, many injuries to nurse um, while being over here. So I think that's probably a testament to the schedule a bit. Yeah. Yeah. How's and, the nutrition? Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to ask that part. How's the, how's the food? The food? Um, so it's pretty good. It's sort of a parallel universe over here. Like there's some differences, but like a lot of it's the same. Um, so the, the food's pretty good. I'd say there's a lot of, uh, Asian fusion type restaurants when you go out, um, probably just because of where we are in the world, but food's been good. I found some nice things in the grocery store that I, you know, have been eating on a weekly basis, that sort of thing. But yeah. How's but the unhealthy know. food? How's the unhealthy food? How's the cheap? <laughs> He's in season, man. There's no healthy foods. Oh man, I know there's a there's a Krispy Kreme or something. How's how's a Krispy Kreme? <laughs> well, yeah, I think there actually is a Krispy Kreme and McDonald's, as you know, um, is everywhere. I'm trying to think of other unhealthy foods that are around. Oh, there's like a GYG. Uh, I forget what the actual words of that is but it's basically our equivalent of chipotle um and it's decent honestly but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but i think it's also probably just a testament to to your your work and training ethic in general and how you've taken care of yourself throughout your career so far that's allowed mm. you to kind of develop those habits too that if you like it's almost like without as much of a intense structure you're still able to function because you have internal structure that you follow right totally yeah yeah and i think a lot of that credit is due to the college um experience like just even like talking time management that sort of thing i've noticed here like you know some of the girls we have uh missing training because they have to finish an assignment like that would never fly in the states um you just could not do that like stock school came first in a lot of ways but you you showed up to training and then you worked around your entire schedule based on that um and so yeah you learn i learned a lot um just from being at university for five years and at that level so it's been good to be able to carry it with me to where i am now yeah are you driving driving over here sure i am (laughs) how's that you're on, the uh, le- you're on the left, right? Yeah. You have to drive on the it left? It was a bit of an adjustment. I think it, luckily I didn't start driving probably for like a few weeks. Even just walking, people are walking on the left side. So that took me like a month getting used to. Um, and then I have an electric scooter, which that was like up a level. Okay, staying on the left side. And then it was driving. Um, and yeah, I think I've I've mastered it. I'd like to say. <laughs> so stick shift? I had a teammate that taught me. No, nah, not stick shift. Uh, yeah. one. Yeah. I feel like that's the question that, like, doing that might end up being your question that you ask anybody that's on the podcast. Is like, do you know how to drive stick shift? Hey, listen. I mean, that would be. I mean, that's a task in itself, right? One, you have to drive on the left. Two, yeah, true. Like, if you don't know how to drive a stick shift. You also have to learn how to drive a stick shift and drive on the opposite side of the road. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, and I'm sure they have, I wouldn't more, be able to survive. I don't know how to drive stick. Well, do they have round, <laughs> a lot of roundabouts? Yeah. Heaps of roundabouts. So, so, so many. Yeah. So like, then you got to deal with those, like 
huge roundabout. Yeah. Um, what's the what's the thing that you that you miss the most about the US or, or home or Delaware or Maine in general? Miss Not the using the metric system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The metric system is so much easier, man. It's so much easier. Yeah, but she didn't grow, she didn't grow up on it. <laughs> it's so much easier. You just divide it. A, a lot of converting. <laughs> Yeah, I've had to learn the Celsius a bit and kilometers, that sort of thing, kilograms. But that's that's been pretty smooth sailing. Uh, what do I miss the most? It might be cheesy, but my family, obviously. Um, I've been lucky enough to have mom and dad both come over here now and visit. Um, but this is the longest time I've been away from home consecutively, like consecutive months. Um, but what else do I miss? Um, in terms of Delaware, I definitely miss just the full-on aspect of it. Um, you're with the team 24-7, whereas here everyone sort of has their par- parallel lives. Um, and you see people at training and then people go home and they're either going to school um, or, you know, have jobs. So it's just maybe a little less um, cohesive in terms of uh, relationships with the girls. But Again, everyone's everyone's still friends, and uh, when we have an opportunity to get together or go out to celebrate a win, we definitely take advantage of it. Um, but yeah, that's good. And you're also part of you're on the you're on the kind of on the coast too of of Australia, even though I mean Australia's a massive, basically in a massive island. <laughs> but but you're yeah. you are you are on the kind of on the coast of that. So how's how's that in comparison to how's the beach? growing up in growing up in in maine in general which you are close to the coast there and just the east coast how's how's that comparison there yeah it's been really nice um i've uh, i've grown up on the coast back home um so to be near the ocean uh definitely is a sense of familiarity um there but the beaches are still like good beaches are still an hour away um for example like the gold coast or sunshine coast but um, yeah, I, it's easy to get to, and when we have days off, we try to get um, to those places and explore a bit. You also can drive an hour and feel like you're in the jungle, which is what my mom and I did yesterday. We went for a hike, and is very much rainforesty and um, this yeah, super cool. That's cool. That's cool. A lot of um, wildlife. Yeah. Is there like a lot of like wildlife just like roaming around? Um. Yeah, there's some wild, there's some crazy looking um, birds. They call them bin chickens that just like eat in the bins, the trash cans. Um, <laughs> it's like that then, dog you had in Argentina, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's like, I guess, lizards and stuff. Um, I have yet to see, like, I'm in too much of an urban area, but like, I have not seen a kangaroo just like hop across um, the road or anything or like koalas for that matter. No. So the kangaroo aren't uh, like the deer over here where they're just like, Hey, here route, we go. You're route one. You see a deer just driving, just walking by. Yeah. No, at least not here. I think maybe if you go way more rural, that would be yeah. the case. There you um, go. But I have been to like a koala sanctuary where I saw kangaroos and koalas, which was pretty cool. Nice. But yeah. Um, how have you handled this like kind of real world transition that you've made from college to 
kind of being on completely on your own. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what I'm like. This is my career. Like, this is what I'm doing now. How has that transition been? And how have you kind of handled it? Yeah, a good question. Um, just sort of been a little different, I guess, than some of my closer friends who have finished school and either started full-time jobs or are just taking some time before they do that. Um, I came over here and I'm getting paid to play, but it's definitely not enough to, you know, suffice. So um, just sort of freelancing. I have i don't have a full-time gig over here outside of soccer. So I've been dog walking, one-on-one coaching, babysitting, coaching under 13s. And um, I'm breaking even, breaking even. And I'm, um, you know, living the life. Like I cannot complain. It's a it's prime time to be doing this. And um, in terms of like finding living over here, that wasn't something the club was offering. So that was sort of, you know, for me to figure out. And I utilized a website um, called Flatmate Finders. And my first place I was living in was with a woman and her partner that um, just took me in. I had my own bedroom and bathroom um, and then decided to move in with a teammate just to make life easier uh, which has been great too, but yeah, it's just definitely a unique and different path than some of my other friends who are doing it a little more traditionally, you could say. Um, where do you think, what experiences that you've had along, along your life kind of helped you cope and, and kind of get through any of the struggles or the moments, you know, that when you're, when you're homesick, which is natural for it to happen, but what are some of the things that, that have helped you kind of along the way? Yeah. Um, I think definitely just staying in touch with um, those that I, you know, care a lot about. I, the time change sucks, but um, I've adjusted to know that when a good time is to catch up with friends and family back home. So trying to get in a habit of touching base with them. Um, I think also maybe just, I'm a huge uh, advocate for journaling and that sort of thing. So uh, I sort of made a promise to myself to journal every day um, this year and I've stuck to it. And I think it will be cool to look back on that and just remember like some of the things I was doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, And yeah, just my experiences in Spain and playing for a WPSL team in South Carolina well, I was very much on my own. Um, I've been living out of the house since I was 18 now. So consider myself pretty independent. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think I've coped pretty well. But, That's good. Yeah. It also helps that I think obviously your, your family is extremely supportive of what you're doing and totally. And yeah. that's, and they're, they're your biggest fans, right? So that's, that's, that's always helpful, right? Yeah. It's been great. And the fact that mom and dad have made it over here, um, it's just been really special to, you know, share this experience with them along with when I was in Spain, getting them over there. It's just uh, sort of been a vehicle for other people to see the world too and uh, share this experience with them. That's awesome. Um, what advice as we wrap up, what advice would you have for um, any high school age player or even college age player that's looking to make that jump or or thinking about like, you know, do I do I go and play college soccer somewhere where potentially it is away from home or I'm playing college soccer and I'm really enjoying it, but you know, what's yeah. next? Like what advice would you have? Yeah. Um 
just honestly, one of the things I've tried to live by is saying yes, say yes. Like, uh, I was pretty scared and it was daunting to go to South Carolina and play PSL when I was only 18 and then to go to Spain in the midst of COVID. And like you said, having great support, my dad and mom just like pushing me to say yes to it. Um, and it has hands down been like the best experiences. So, um, and yeah, and just chasing your dreams. I think it's a little like weird to not know where you might be in a few months, which is the case with me. I mean, I didn't even know I was coming to Australia until January and I was on a flight in February. So uh, just getting comfortable with not knowing uh, where you could be or what you could be doing. Um, and yeah, I'm saying yes to the opportunities because it's pretty rewarding um, once you're in it and experiencing it. Um, all right. So Sarah, last question. Um, if you were able to go back, uh, six years now, right? Mm. So six years ago, yeah. you're, you're right at the beginning of what would be it's August 1st. So it's, you know, freshman year at UD or five years yeah. ago, uh, freshman year at UD. All right. What do you tell yourself knowing what you know now that first day? That first day. Um, what, do you tell, what do you tell an 18-year-old Sarah? Probably, probably a few things. Um, one of them being to do some more outreach um, and an investigative work in terms of where I want to be at the at the next level after that chapter um I think maybe I was a bit blindsided finishing college and like knowing the different leagues in the different countries so just doing my due diligence and really researching uh where soccer could take me um earlier and then this is sort of maybe off topic a bit but um getting more involved with my coaching licenses because I really, truly love coaching, and I think there's a career path there, um, but I think the licenses will really enable me to coach at the next level and, um, you know, jump starting that. I think we talked about it when I was coaching with you a bit, um, and in hindsight, I think I wish I would have done that a bit more and should probably start doing it now, um, but, and then on the flip side of that, also not doing anything differently, like in terms of my work ethic and, you know, showing my passion for the game and uh, just following my dreams is, is how it got me here. So, yeah. Um, I will continue to say it anytime I get a chance to. Um, and I think Mike throughout the spring season uh, used a lot of the same examples that I did. And obviously he, he got to work with you a lot more, um, but continue to be, one of the hardest working players I've ever seen at a training session, um, which is, which is something that, that is always the example for, for, uh, for every, every player that I get a chance to coach the coach. Um, But I think now, I think that's been elevated to the idea of what you said earlier of saying yes, of taking that risk. Um, And I think that's, that's the, that to me is the, the lesson here, right? Like that's the, that's the, the inspiration i think for for everybody else is the ability to just say yes 
because you're in your early 20s and you have the ability just to say, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to try this because I really enjoy and I really love it and I'm pretty good at it. Uh, So uh, so why not give it a shot and do something that I mean, again, soccer careers are are long, but not longer than, you know, a life lifetime to a certain extent. So um, so enjoy you while you have the ability to. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I, I hope just going off of that, I hope, you know, some girls, um, whether you're a year younger than me or, you know, five to 10 years younger than me, I hope girls back home, you know, look at me and my path and think, you know, I can do that too, because I, I came from a small town in Maine and there wasn't nearly the exposure that, you know, some other states like New Jersey and Maryland might have. So to just sort of see my path and we're like, Oh, she can do that. I can do it too. And, um, I hope that's something that, you know, I've left behind if nothing else. Um, yeah. Well, Sarah, as always, it's uh, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, I'm hoping that you are able to make it out to some more world cup games. So then you can tell us about (laughs) it. Uh, I also hope you continue to score goals uh so because that's always fun to watch uh so yeah. <laughs> uh, so i'm always looking forward to watching more goals by you um and just in general i hope you you can continue to um to do what you love which is which is a lot of fun so i appreciate for, it yeah thank you on. thanks for your support love of course it. always um all right doing let's uh let's make this slightly kind of quick before we get to the player of the match but uh, the Philadelphia Union officially playing DC United. Yeah, I get to see them play DC United in a span of like two weeks, three weeks, two weeks. Yeah, it's funny. I'm going to go to DC, but not to watch the DC United game. I'm just going to DC, but, uh, but you're going yeah, to DC United game, right? You're going? Yeah. Yeah. 26, I think it is. Something like that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I thought about it. Um, nothing against going to the Union games. I went to the Wrexham game the other day and it was fun. Um, you know, I just we're we're going on a trip. Then the next day, so it was just logistically didn't really make much sense. It, it is funny though, like the email that I got from the Philadelphia Union uh, about making sure that you know you don't miss your chance to opt in for these tickets. This is your way that you know in the eventuality of the Philadelphia Union uh, play against Messi, you have the ability to to get tickets for that game, right? And it almost caught me. Um, but then I also looked at the schedule. And and where we are, we're still in the round of 16. And Miami's in the round of 16. And after that comes the quarterfinals where there's no chance that they'll meet. Then the semifinals, like I'm not talking about the east side, like the east bracket. Yeah, because they're in the south. They're technically the what the south inner Miami. Yeah, they're in the south. The Philadelphia Union's in the east, and they're coming in. It's basically like a like a college tournament bracket, right? Like yeah, it's like the basically the uh yeah 16. Yeah, so sixteen right now. Yeah, so so you're coming in there, and then you got to get to you got to get to the quarterfinals, and then both teams are got to get to the semifinals, and then the only time they would meet would be in the like Eastern Conference final slash semifinals of the League's Cup in general. That'd be the only time they can meet. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying both teams can't do it. There's there's likelihood that both teams could do it. I mean, the tournament's over in, what, two weeks? I mean... No, it is, but it's still four games away. Right. Like, there are... 
there are three games that you have to get through to be able to get to that fourth game. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the tough part for the, uh, I mean, I guess the, the tough part, I haven't looked at the, all the matchups, but I mean, the tough part for the union is DC. I mean, they've had a lot of success against DC recently, but um, DC is an opponent that really knows you. Right. I mean, uh, Wayne Rooney had the um, luxury of coaching or training with Jacob Glesnes and Jose Martinez over the all-star break. Um, they just played each other, I want to say, in like May. Um, I'm sure they probably, you know, have been working on scouting them in preparation for when the MLS restarts. So yeah. it kind of becomes a tougher game when you think about it. What's what's really interesting is so far of all the matchups in the League's Cup, um, there is only one uh, Mexico team, like Mexico matchup. All Mexico matchup. Yeah, it's only one, and it's coming from Pumas, Carretero, in DC. Huh? And it's in DC. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, but so, all right. So, looking at the bracket, uh, Philadelphia plays DC United. The winner of that will play the winner of uh, Red Bulls against NYCFC. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Nice. Like, it's, it's it's interesting how it worked out. Because well, I think Miami, that was Miami's playing Orlando. Well, I think that was part of the goal too, right? Like when you set these teams up geographically from, and yeah. it's, I mean, Mexico, you got to come to the United States. So you already got to travel. Yeah. But for the MLS teams, you if you win geographically, you don't have to go far. Like you're, you know, Rebels and NYCFC, great. You're, you know, take a bus. Same thing with DC and Philly. So you're not adding extra stress to the players. Yeah. I mean, and you probably got to think that the biggest disappointment is the fact that uh, LA Galaxy lost both games. So there was no way that there was unfortunate no way of uh, of there being a matchup between oh, Tropico. LA, yeah, LA Galaxy with uh, LAFC, um, which they could have met in that like quarterfinal stage or the you know semifinal stage of the of their side of it. Um, but anyway, so, so, you know, they got to play the winner of Red Bull in New York's NYCFC. Then on the other side of that, if you were to win that game after that, you're playing the Pumas and Carretero winner against the Atlas and New England Revolution winner. Yeah. Funny how that worked out, right? You have four MLS teams in the top part of that bracket. And then you go down and you have three Mexican teams in that side of the bracket. And then so it's five. Actually, it's five on that side of the bracket. Even to get just to get to the League's Cup semifinal, it's five MLS teams, three, um, three Mexican teams. And then when you look down um, on the other side, where Inter Miami is, for example, you got Mazatlan against Dallas, Miami against Orlando, Charlotte against Cruz Azul, and then you got Pachuca against Houston. So same thing, right? Five and three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, five and three. Yeah. Because, I mean, it worked out. It's interesting how it worked out. Um, But, yeah, out of 16 teams, only six um, are are Mexico teams. Um, And no, uh, no, no Canada based team on this side of the bracket. Well, which is interesting. 
If I had the coach, <laughs> considering you had, I mean, you had Montreal and Toronto on that side of the bracket, right? Like, well, Toronto, you fired your coach. Yeah. You have these Italian superstars. You can't make it out of the group stage. <laughs> I think it's time to uh, blow up the team. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, player of the match. Who does your player of the match go to? Uh, player of the match. It's going to go to the. Let's go to the squad. Pizza Delight FC. Who? Pizza Delight FC. That's my team name. Pizza Delight FC. And the and the AC Milan jerseys. In the AC Milan jersey, man. AC so Milan is about to sign Yunus Musa. It's rumor on the street. Rumor on the street. Um, my player of the match goes out to who I believe was your player of the match recently. Uh, Gigi Buffon. Jihan Luigi. Officially, um, officially uh, announced his retirement um, after twenty plus years. Tell tell me, I had an official source that he was retired. (laughs) I'm just saying he didn't announce until today. He announced it four hours ago. What do you want me to tell you? Um, I broke the news about three episodes ago. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Forty forty five years old. uh, What an absolute star. I wonder if he um, had a birthday between. I wonder if he waited until he was like forty-five. No, his birthday's in January. Okay. Yeah. So no. All right. I was. But uh, he was born in the seventies. If that if that makes you feel any better. Um. All right. On this day in soccer history. I mean, his career started in nineteen ninety-one. How old were you? Uh, four. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Um, August 4th, 2010, August 4th, 2010, uh, right after the world cup. Do you know the club Everton? Yeah. They, they're bad. Yeah. They're not very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, August, August 1st or sorry, August 4th, uh, 2010, um, Everton played a game against Everton. What? Did you know that there are two Evertons in the world? No, where's the other one in South America? Chile. Yeah, see. Yeah, so um so a group of teenagers in 1909 uh formed a club called Everton in Chile. Uh so for their century for their 100th year anniversary even though it was delayed by a year they decided to to take the trip um to liverpool and play everton uh the english liverpool beat the chilean everton or sorry the english, the english everton, everton english everton beat the chilean everton two nothing uh and it's called the brotherhood cup brotherhood cup brotherhood did tim cup. play that day huh did tim howard play on that day i, I don't know i don't oh, know that is yeah Hey, Tim Howard scored a goal for Everton. Yeah? Yeah, you never saw that? No. Yeah, he scored. I won't say it's a banger, but (laughs) he scored from his own half. I want to add one more. One more on the same soccer history. And I want to talk about August 1st today. Today is August 1st, but that's when we're recording. August 1st, 1996. Man, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what happened in no. 1996? 
one years old. All right, but outside our of guest, that, our guest was, probably wasn't born yet. What was what was going on in 1996? The Olympics. The Olympics. You remember where? Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta 96. Atlanta 96 was also the uh the place where the first Olympic women's football tournament was was hosted. Uh, and the final was there, USA beating China two to one in front of seventy six thousand people. Georgia Dome, yeah, or one of the college campuses. Georgia Dome, probably Georgia Dome, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Uh so August first. So you know, it's kind of cool that. Uh, what would that be? Twenty seven years ago, huh? Twenty seven. Twenty seven years ago. Um, we're in the middle of the World Cup in in Australia, New Zealand, which is pretty cool. You got me a show age. <laughs> um, all right. The Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week award. Um, mine, my Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week award goes out to my kids because, and I pointed this out to you before we started recording. Uh, my kids brought home my my kids and my wife are avid, uh, uh library. They frequent the library quite quite often. Uh, they're big fans of the library. Um, and they brought home this book called Eyewitness Soccer. Uh, it's the newest edition, which was published in 2023. Uh, it's DK Eyewitness uh, Soccer. It's part of this whole like DK Eyewitness bunch of different things. Uh, but I, it's a really really cool book. Um, it's got a bunch of different uh, soccer facts and. And different things, but I there's two things that I wanted to point out to you that I wanted to know if you knew about. So, do you know uh when studs were used for the first time? Kind of like real studs or like just studs in general? Like like studded cleats were used. If you had to take a guess. 1899. No, sir. So uh in the late 1800s people were still wearing like boots, literally wearing boots as cleats. Um, in the 1910s, uh, it was the first time where they started wearing cleats. My must have came and saw a baseball game. That's had six studs on them. Yeah, six studs only. They had two towards the front of your foot. So one kind of underneath your toes, one like right before you get to your uh, your arc. And then, or sorry, and then two in your heels. Um, those cleats then kind of by the 1920s uh, were high cut and a little bit more streamlined, but they were still had a very big like heel support mm-hmm. to them. Uh, also still made of leather. Um, this is when, this is when people, when they talk about when, when you hear, I'm sure you heard it growing up when people told you to break in your cleats. What did they tell you to do? Go and take it in the shower. There you go. Right. That goes back to those days when you had leather cleats that you needed to jump into the bathtub with them so the leather could expand. They had running water back then? Yeah, man. 1910? Of course. Um, <laughs> you say, of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, want right. guess, you want to take a guess of what the, what the studs were made of? Back in those days, metal, 
Nope. Steel? <laughs> leather. Leather. Kangaroo leather. They were made. They were made of leather. Um, Interesting. So back in the 1950s, or and then fast forward to the 1950s, that's when that modern look came in. At this point, all the cleats were brown. At this point, this modern cleat came in, which was black and white. Uh, towards the 1950s, the my almost they almost look like the modern copas, um, but they were a lot lighter because they took off the protection around the heel, so they made them a lot lighter, a lot easier for players to move around, uh, which then also caused a lot of ankle injuries. <laughs> I don't know if I would call copas modern, but they were modern in the 1950s. All right, <laughs> and then the second thing, and you may already know this because this is something that people in general look up. Um, do you know what it's called when uh what's it called when somebody um makes an international appearance for their for their, a cap, right? Do you know where that stems from? My work cap on their first day. So <laughs> their caps, I don't know. <laughs> so back back in the early days of football, uh the only way that people would be able to differentiate each other from one team to another team would be they were wearing caps because they didn't have jerseys. They didn't have jerseys until 1872 when the FA, yeah, until 1872 when the FA ruled that uh, players should wear distinctive shirts. Prior to that, people would, players from the same team would just wear the same cap. Then after that, because that went away, because that went away, uh, in 1986, they suggested that caps would be awarded. So you would literally get a cap, like a hat, uh, that would be awarded when you when you made an appearance for the national team. You got a cap. Where's Dan Simmons when you need him? <laughs> I feel like that's a Dan Simmons thing he would know about. He would know. Like, what? That's all, that would be something he would say he would do during training. <laughs> I'm not going to put bibs on him. I'm going to put caps on him. Caps I'm going to go get some caps. <laughs> But yeah, so there you go. You know uh, what? That you're not far off, right? Because think about this, right? If you make all your kids wear caps, where their heads have to be to know where they're passing the ball. Up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. And now what do you have uh, to do? You got to make eye contact. Yeah, there you Ooh, go. Look at that. Uh, um, I go get some caps. <laughs> so Wayne Rooney, uh, Wayne Rooney, when he got his hundredth cap for England, got a gold cap. So there you go. That's what caps. Did you only want to get a gold cap? Uh, I don't know. I'm just that, that's just what was in the book. <laughs> that was the fun fact it, of the book. Beckham never got a gold cap. Beckham. <laughs> that's what I call him. I call him Beckham. Oh, maybe he got a ham for his 100. Nah, David Beckham doesn't need anything else. He's got. He's maybe he got, got a ham. Maybe he got a gold ham. He got a goat. <laughs> Does he? David Beckham got a goat. I heard. I, I saw there was one in the Philadelphia Union locker room too. A goat, yeah. There's two goats sitting next to each other. Who, what goats were sitting next to each other? I'll send you the picture. All right, that's fine. Um, all right, well, uh, yeah, you're my fair play. I was, no, I was, no, I was, I was, getting, uh, I was, cool, man. I was coming around, I was coming around. Oh, no, it's your turn. Who's your dancing? Um, play the man, I forgot my fair play. There, I had one. All this goat talk. <laughs> all right, I go back to the history. I gotta go to the history of my browser. <laughs> uh while Dwayne looks that up, uh reminder that the inter Miami game, well at this point it would have already passed by the time we this episode aired. All the games so, would have passed, all right. 
So hopefully, uh, better off asking Fields for some tickets. <laughs> I don't think Colorado made it through Fields. Uh, Colorado did not make it through. Uh, I'm having technical. I can't even exit out of anything in my browser. Oh my goodness, you're having massive technical difficulties. I mean, wow! You see earlier the screen was so bright, the room yeah. lit up. Colorado, Colorado uh, did not make it through. Lost both games. Uh, so there you go. Tickets might be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um yeah we'll, we'll catch up with my fair play i don't know what my fair play was all right well there you go oh no i remember what it was now it had nothing to do with the browser okay. Yo, shout out to the dfa 2010 boys for knowing who i am as their coach um before you knew who they were <laughs> yeah I, dude so i went yesterday literally yesterday um my parents, I had a meeting down there anyway. One of the parents told me their kids was playing. So I went down there and was like, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, no idea who I'm coming to watch play. <laughs> They're playing 11 v 11 too. So I'm like, man, there's a lot of kids out here. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. So I look him up. He's got long hair. And I look out there and I said, man, everybody out here has long hair. So I'm like, man, this is hard. Oh, yeah, I guess there was the right kid. There you go. Good. But, but, they, knew they, have, but they knew who you were. And well, luckily, you know, I knew the co- I knew the coach that was coaching him in the middle school game, and he was like, "Yeah, if you're 2010, come on over." There you go. All right. Well, that's good. And I told the other two. I said, "What do you? Why are you not on the team? Let's get you on the team." <laughs> well, also, actually, and, and I also did a good deed yesterday. What did you do? Um, kid tipped the ball out. The referee was 30 yards away. Called it a goal kick. Wrong call. And as I'm walking over there, I was like, nah, it's definitely a corner kick. And he was like, thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to see what the kid had. Yeah. I wanted to see, I wanted to see the the kid I see if he could defend. There you go. Um, all right. Well, uh, Duane, uh, and everybody else, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>